you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. internet travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith i'm your co-host ryan buell what it is brother not a whole lot how are you man i'm good man i'm real good so this is the second week of our summer movie extravaganza we've changed up the format a little bit uh in that there's so much that we want to cover this summer as opposed to last summer um, that we've had to kind of split duties uh, for <laughs> for the summer, and uh, each week is mostly going to be solo. Uh, so, for example, last week we talked about After Guardians of the Galaxy, and Ryan talked about his expectations for King Arthur: Legend of the S Word. And then <laughs> this I'm week, sorry. you can take that so many places. <laughs> uh, and then this week, um, Ryan's going to come back and tell us what he thought about uh, that movie. The S word. Uh, yeah, uh, which it seems like it's very in line it's with apropos. the time. Yeah, um, based on our conversation before. Oh. And then I'm going to tell you my expectations for Alien Covenant. Um, as a result, th- those segments will be shorter, so we're going to have some more stuff uh, in between to kind of not pad the show, but to give you guys, you know, a decent hour's worth of content. Um, because it's only going to be one person's perspective on a film from here on out, kind of, for the most part. Um, we're going to have some guests along the way. Um, the real before and after show was in our hearts the entire time. But... Uh, and then we're going to come together for the bigger movies like Wonder Woman and I know we're both really excited about Baby Driver and mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And the, so the, the huge releases are going to get, you know, the full pomp and circumstance. But these kind of not one-offs, but more uh, niche releases, um, we're going to get solo kind of segments on them. So before we get into that, uh, Ryan, what have you been consuming this week? Uh, this week I have I did watch couple movies. Um, I've been really getting into fan-made B fantasy fantasy movies, if that makes any sense. Not fan-made, but like, it's the fantasy version of a B-horror movie, where it's low-budget filming, uh, they tend to straight-to-DVD, that kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Have you ever, ever heard of Mythica? Mm, no. It's, uh, I believe it was a Kickstarter, Kickstarted movie franchise uh, set in a fantasy world. They put out five movies total. Um, yeah, and I watched the fourth one two days ago. Okay. Um, and it's got, um, oh, who's the guy? The guy that played Hercules in the old 1990s show. Kevin Sorbo? Kevin Sorbo. He has a guest appearance in it. Uh, anyways, not, not to is bore he, you. Is he an atheist professor in it? No, no, he's a wizard in this one. So, is he an know. atheist wizard professor? <laughs> yeah, it could be. 
a similar role. Uh, anyway, so I was watching that the other day, and that's been a lot of fun. It's kind of interesting to see kind of... Have you seen the first three prior to this? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I've seen the, the first three. Uh, I can't remember the subtitles to all of them. But it's all in a series of movies they've made. It's kind of a single storyline going mm-hmm. through where random stuff happens. But it's just kind of fun to watch them. They're not the best quality and the best acted, but it's kind of fun to see what people can do when they kind of band together to make a movie. Yeah, that's I great. I know you can appreciate yes. it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. The, the precinct movie, so... I've been enjoying that, um, so I watched that recently, and then I also started watching another one that's in the same genre of fantasy and also the same kind of low-budget made called Curse of the Dragon Slayer on Amazon Prime, I think. Oh. Ever heard of that one? That sounds really familiar. I may have seen it pop out. It's got like a paladin, an elf, and an orc are kind of like the three protagonists in it. Okay. Typical fantasy tropes, but it's actually really better quality than the Mythica movies, actually. Um, Still kind of low budget, and you can still see kind of where they put their money and where they didn't put the money. Right. Um, But it's still kind of, I don't know, I've been on a kick on watching those, because it's interesting to see the good stuff you get from that, you know what I mean? And and it's fun, you know, I, I, as a guy who enjoyed... And still enjoys the old school 19, I think it was either 1990s or early 2000s Dungeons and Dragons movie. Mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned that before. Right. Guilty pleasure of mine. I, this is kind of adding to that. Just movies that aren't the best in quality, but you can still see a lot of love when into them. So that's what I've been watching this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's cool, man. I, I don't watch as many as I feel like I should, given that I'm technically part of that world Mm -hmm. of these, you know, amateur filmmakers just kind of making stuff happen with six bucks and a passion for the movies. Uh, A song in the heart. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And not a pot to piss in. But, (laughs) you know, like, have you heard of Wakaliwood? It's this dude, I think he's in the middle of Uganda, and he, like, made an action movie for like 200 bucks dang and it's like not good but it's great you know what i mean like everyone is just like having the time of their lives and you know he like did it man uh and it's hilarious sometimes unintentionally you can Mm. watch like clips of it on youtube um but Uganda also has this weird thing with their, with Ugandan produced movies. They have this constant narrator mm-hmm. through most of their movies called a VJ, which stands for Video Joker. Okay. So the entire time there's just a guy making noise into a microphone or like exclaiming words about what happened on screen. Like he's like a hype man for the movie. As it's happening. As it's happening. <laughs> And it's pretty great because it's like he does it all in English, but they're not like very good English speakers. So like an explosion will happen and he'll be like, go boom. (laughs) And it's pretty great. That's awesome. Uh, It's just so like, it's so enthusiastic that you can't help but be like, that's really distracting, but also it's kind of the best. Yeah. yeah, have you been uh, consuming anything else? Reading, watching, uh, anything playing? else? Um, no, I'm, I've been reading through. I uh, just finished the novel two weeks ago. and started another one uh, set in the diving a little bit into the, the gaming side, but it's a book set in the Warhammer 40k okay. universe, science fiction dudes with guns, all that stuff. But I started reading that again. Um, listening. 
Uh, listening to the Dice Tower podcast a lot, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. Got a lot of, a lot of fun information from that. But mm-hmm. uh, that's about it for me. Yeah. Uh, watched a couple things. Um, wife and I whew, powered through some Daredevil last night. We watched four episodes in a row. Ooh, yeah. That's uh, a commitment. I've done that before. Yeah, it I'm was four hours, drained. man. It uh, it was a lot. Uh, yeah. We've seen all the episodes so far before. Um, I have a clearer picture of where we were mm-hmm. last time, but yeah, man, uh, it's good. It ain't that good. Mm, um, you make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> the the episodes that are good are really really good, yeah. but I just feel like there's a lot of like, filler episodes. Filler episodes. Mm. Um, and they're still like well made, and the performances are all pretty good, but like. There are a few episodes in there where it's just like, come, I'll like move the story forward a little bit, please. Mm. Um, you know, and like they do kind of try to connect it all together, like, but it, at the same time, the, the threads that connect to those episodes seem so thin that it's like, just make that part of an episode, man. Like, mm. if it's, you're just going to connect that one thing, um, specifically the episode where, Kingpin goes on the date and then smashes, like, decapitates the dude with the car door. Yeah, like, I yeah, feel yeah. like you could have told that. You did not need an entire episode dedicated to setting that up. Yeah. Um, I understand that it kicks off, like, all the rest of the season because it starts the war between the gangs. Uh, but, man, it ju- it was just like, that's the only thing from that episode <laughs> that, that has really come back at all. Yeah. Uh, we just got to the episode with the stick, which is one of my favorite episodes. Mm. Uh, I really like that episode a lot. Um, so, yeah, we're doing that. Um, I saw The Wall, which you can read my full review of at KeithLovesMovies.com. We talked a little bit about it off mic. It's uh, so frustrating. It <laughs> It is the best movie about the Iraq War I've seen until it's not at all. Um, it just... The last 30 seconds of the movie, and I'll spare you guys spoilers, the last 30 seconds of the movie completely ruin what happens before. And if you're thinking it was all a dream, it was all a VR training exercise, he was dead the whole time, I assure you, those are better answers. Hmm. As a matter of fact, a better ending would have been if everyone just broke their character, became who they are in real life, flipped off the screen and said, go home! Because that's basically what happens (laughs) at the end of the movie anyway. Um... But at least they would have been honest about it. Uh, yeah, it was real disappointing. Like I said, you can read the full review at KeithLovesMovies.com. Um, and then the big one that I watched this week uh, was Schindler's List. Mm. I'd never seen it before. Have you I seen it? I still haven't seen it. Heard great things about it. Um, yeah, I... So Sunday nights, my wife is... Uh, usually at a friend's house, and so I can watch whatever I want, basically. And I was planning on watching Tombstone because Powers Booth, the guy who played Curly Bill, died mm-hmm. on Sunday. And I was too lazy to get up and put the disc in the player. <laughs> um, so then I started going through what I wanted to watch, and I was like, I kind of want to watch something long. And I really wanted to watch Heat because the new director's cut of Heat just came out on Blu-ray, nice. but I'd rather wait until I pick that up. Uh, 
but that movie is like three hours long. And so I was kind of popping through Netflix and I was like, nah, I don't really want to want a comedy or an action or a horror. And Schindler's List just kind of popped out at me for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, like, I know this sounds stupid, but it felt like the movie like called to me. Like, Come watch me. yeah, it just like, <laughs> it just, for whatever reason, really popped off the screen at me and, I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, oh yeah, Schindler's List is what I want to watch right now. Which I know sounds weird, mm-hmm. but I think is the ideal way to watch Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> um, from what I'm told. So it's a Spielberg movie. Spielberg's my favorite director of all time. We've talked about that countless times on the podcast. I So watching Schindler's List, it's this weird thing because the subject matter is obviously very heavy. It's a movie about the Holocaust and uh, Oscar Schindler who saved... Uh, 850 Jews from Auschwitz, basically, by employing them at his munitions factory. Um, that's the long and short of it. It's a three-hour and 12-minute movie, um, so there's a lot more to the story than that. But at the same time, and while you want to be reverent to the subject matter, um, Spielberg's such a good filmmaker that, like, the technical stuff is really easy to get lost in too in it mm-hmm. and the movie's so freaking good man it's uh i mean it's it's definitely the best movie about the subject like i don't even know why there are subject there why there are movies about the holocaust that aren't documentaries uh anymore because it, it, like you he nailed it like he just he just nailed it um Liam Neeson plays Oscar Schindler. He was relatively unknown at the time. He's incredible in it. It's the best performance I've ever seen from Liam Neeson. He's, oh my gosh, he's astounding in the thing, man. Ray Fine plays uh, a Nazi who's the leader of one of the concentration camps. And I haven't looked this up. But I really want to know if he had trouble getting parts after this movie. Because he's astonishingly good in it. Um, which means he's a monster yeah. in it. <laughs> um, and it just seemed like, it seemed like one of those movies, like when it came out and it got such, I mean, it, it won a bunch of Oscars. He got nominated for the performance. It just seems like one of those iconic roles that he would have a hard time breaking away from. Um, I don't really, I mean, I guess he, 1998, he was in Shakespeare in Love, mm. um, which, you know, beat out Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan for Best Picture that year. He was in Shakespeare in Love? Yeah, he's Shakespeare. He plays Shakespeare? Pretty sure. No, that's his brother. Joseph? Yeah. Oh! His brother's that. <laughs> okay. I was so confused, like, he's not in that, is he? A okay. fine's brother was, but not, okay. not that fine. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, he's, oh my gosh, he's so good at it. As a matter of fact, I was like, he won the Oscar for this, right? And I looked it up, and Tommy Lee Jones won that year for The Fugitive, and I, now, okay, I have not seen The Fugitive, but I can- You've never seen The Fugitive? No. It's so good. I, it got nominated for Best Picture that year. Yeah. Uh, I cannot imagine a world where Tommy Lee Jones of The Fugitive is better than Ray Fine in this movie, because he's yeah. so freaking good in the movie. Yeah. Um, Maybe they just had a hard time giving an award. Yeah, it's true. It's true. That's true too. Uh, but man, he I, like he earns it, dude. He goes all in on that thing. Um, and so I was kind of looking up. One of the things I liked about the movie is uh, it doesn't really give you a lot of context for stuff. Um, like there's like a lot of Jewish traditional stuff that happens that it's just like ah. There you go. Something Jewish, like for yeah. for someone who's not part of that uh, 
culture or faith it's it's like it's just like yeah i'm sure that makes sense if i'm jewish but i'm not i'm not at all so i was kind of looking some stuff up but at the same time steven spielberg no sorry yeah spielberg he's jewish Jewish. okay yeah yeah. um and so i was kind of looking some stuff up but also along with the stuff i was looking up there were like stories about them making the movie and every single one of them is the most depressing thing you've ever heard Mm. um so he he had a couple Holocaust survivors that actually consulted on the movie. Oh, wow. And one of the stories is that um, this woman who uh, was, she was a Holocaust survivor who was consulting on the movie. And the first day she met Ray Fine in costume, she had to like be escorted away from set because she was too scared of him because of how much he looked like the real guy. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, what? What? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And then I was reading that Spielberg would get struggle with such depression while he was making the movie that he would call Robin Williams and make him do his comedy over the phone for him just to distract him. For real? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. There's just, like, the editing's so good, the music's so good, the performances are so good, and then the subject matter is so heavy, but it, it, it you know, if you watch other Holocaust movies, they can seem almost manipulative, mm. you know, or exploitative, you know, of, like, we're gonna make you cry now, like, like, mm-hmm. I feel like every Holocaust movie should just be called Time to Cry. Basically, it, like, it, Boy and the Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Yeah, exactly. Style. Like, yeah. that feels really manipulative and exploitative. And uh, to my knowledge, yes, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas is a true story. Mm. But the the way the movie plays is very, like, it goes very much for, like, you're going to cry now. Yeah. Um, this movie doesn't. Uh, it, it makes you cry because of how crazy everything that happened in that uh, period of history happened. Um, but it, it never exploits tears from the audience. Uh, everything feels very natural. Like it's, it's, it's literally just telling the story. Um, and the story in itself produces tears. And I'm not a super big movie crier. And me and Schindler's List were fine. Uh, hmm. and it got to the end of the movie. Uh, so Schindler's story is that he was a member of the Nazi party. Uh, who kind of exploited Jewish labor at the beginning and then eventually saw how they were being treated in the concentration camps and under the guise of exploiting Jewish labor actually saved 850 people. However, in the eyes of the law, Oscar Schindler was a Nazi and he had to flee. Mm-hmm. And so he tells them, like, I'm still technically a Nazi. Like, I have to flee. And... The Jews that he saved get together and basically write a statement saying, like, Oscar Schindler is a righteous man. Uh, and they all signed the piece of paper and gave it to him in case he ever got caught. He could produce the piece of paper. And the scene where they give him that, Schindler has a breakdown. Um, and he's he's just like, I, I should have done more. I could have done more. Why did I hold on to all this stuff? He was bribing the Nazis to send him labor. And he starts going through all of his possessions. He's like, I don't, I didn't need this car. This car could have helped me save 10 more people. This pin, this pin is gold. It would have given me two people, at least one more, at least one more. And he starts crying. And, uh, Liam Neeson's incredible in that scene. And that's when it just like, 
tears, like involuntary tears from me. And I was just, I was just getting over that. The movie ends with uh, the Jews getting liberated and the Russian soldiers who liberated Schindler's uh, factory coming up to the Jews and the Jews standing up and basically being like, what now? Like, what do we do? We can't like just get, we can't just have normal lives now. Like, you know, we've been completely removed from our homes. Our homes have been destroyed in most cases. All our possessions have been burned. Mm. Um, where do we go to start over? There are still going to be huge portions of the country that hate us. And so it ends with kind of the, it, man. Yeah, it's so good. It ends with basically the Jews ending up in exile a second time. Mm. Um, they're just kind of walking in a field towards the camera, and it looks like that's going to be the last shot of the movie. And they're walking in this field towards the camera, and the black and white dissolves, and color fades in, and this text comes up over the screen, and it says, The Schindler Jews Today. And walking towards the screen are all the Schindler Jews that had still been alive that Schindler had saved. And it follows them to, uh, it follows them through this field and they start walking through this graveyard and they walk up to Oscar Schindler's grave and they each, them and their offspring each put a rock on Schindler's grave to, uh, to honor him, basically. I'm sure it's some Jewish custom. Um, and subtitles come up on the screen that explain that six million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust, which is a known fact. But as a result, these are 1993 statistics. And as a result, um, in Poland, only 4,000 Jews remained after the Holocaust. But with the Schindler Jews, 850 of them survived. And they kind of scattered across the world. Just the Schindler's just the Schindler Jews, uh, between them produced over 6,000 descendants. Mm-hmm. And it was just this like crazy thing of like, Schindler, like, Schindler basically saved 6,000 lives mm-hmm. in this. And it was just like, man, it hits really hard. And then the final shot of the movie is, uh, they don't explicitly show you that it's him. Um, but you see Liam Neeson's hand cut the, the, Schindler's tomb is full of rocks, and you see Liam Neeson's hand come in wearing the uh, uh, cufflinks that Schindler was wearing throughout the whole movie. And he puts two roses on it, and it cuts to a wide shot of him just, like, standing in front of Schindler's grave, reflecting. And that's the end of the movie. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, are you kidding me with the end of this movie right now? It's one of the most powerful endings to a movie I've ever seen. Mm. Um, It's, gosh, man, it's incredible. Like, you... Uh, I think you need to see it at least once in your life. Uh, whether you need to see it more than once is debatable. I would like to see it again. Um, I honestly would like to see it in a theater full of people because I feel like that thing is powerful on the big screen. Mm. Dude, you made me. I went on that roller coaster with you. Dude, it's I've, never, so, I've never even seen that movie. Gosh, it's so good, man. And like Ben Kingsley's in it, and he's great. Obviously, he mm. plays he plays one of the Jews. Um, he plays the Jew that does all the accounting for Schindler. Mm. Um, man, it's so, it's so well done. Gosh, ever like everything about that movie works down to the pacing. Um, it's like, I was just like, how, how did he do this? Mm. I don't understand how you did this. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
It's like it, it almost seems like it shouldn't exist that movie. Like you, it just like it's too good. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just like how do you what 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 dark witchcraft did you make? <laughs> did you did you conjure to pull this off? Um, so that's what I've been watching. We're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back to talk about uh, Ryan's thoughts on King Arthur: Legend of the S Word. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. And we're back to talk about Ryan's final thoughts on King Arthur. Legend of the Sword, I'll say it once uh, <laughs> correctly. Um, Ryan, you were ridiculously excited to I see this movie. I was super excited. Uh, this was one of your most anticipated movies of the summer. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned, you proved your uh, your fantasy movie bona fides before, uh, you know, in the What We've Been Watching section. Yeah. So... Uh, how did King Arthur deliver on your expectations, or did it? Uh, all in all, everything weighed, it did not deliver. Um, I thought I'd go, I, for my review, I thought, I'll just be lukewarm, but I'll, I'll just take a, a firm stance. Did not like the movie. Okay. Uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't, um, you know, out down and out hate it, but I did not ultimately like it, and... The reason why I did not like it is I didn't care for the mishmashing of styles. Okay. Um, it's Guy Ritchie kind of... It felt like he tried to take his typical style, which is the flashy kind of, you know, cook me down under the, the street level guy, thugs. Almost like London a British street. Tarantino. Yeah, British Tarantino. Tried to take that and blended it with the Arthurian legend or, you know, for those uh, who've seen it, the Excalibur movie from the 80s. Okay. Taking that, blending of those, and they just did not mesh well at all. Um, it was it was a two-hour movie, and I felt it, um, but it... Um, sorry, blanked a little. Mm-hmm. It was too fast in parts that needed to be slow in and explain a bit more, and it was too slow in the parts that needed to go a bit faster uh, in terms of, like, pacing of the story. Um, all the actors did a really good job. Like, no complaints there. The main guy that played Arthur was really good. Jude Law was amazing as the villain. Um, but it just, for for me personally, the styles just didn't blend well. Like, his his style of storytelling did not, I don't think it lended itself well to a fantasy type movie. Um, and like I was talking to you before we started recording, like the main villain's motivations were lacking. Hmm. Very like unclear. Like you can infer well he just wanted to be king. Right. That's why he did all these like like legit horrible things, like really dark horrible things he does in the movie. But like the reasons for well, why do you, why did you take why did you kill your brother? Why did you murder your family to gain this power, like, there wasn't emotional reason behind There was no scenes mm. that kind of mm-hmm. set up, well, why are you doing these things? Other than, I'm the bad guy in the movie, therefore I will do bad things. Right, like, right. That's about the formula they give you, and they're just kind of like, go with it. So it doesn't... 
It doesn't do a show don't tell thing, but it doesn't overly explain it either. It just doesn't show or tell yeah. anything. It yeah. just kind of is. Do you think it's because he tried to take six movies and just kind of smash them into one movie? Possibly. Was the plan to was the plan to do six movies of the origin of Arthur gaining the throne? It was to do six King Arthur movies. I don't okay. know what that looked like really. I feel like he was at the ending of the movie. It's clearly you could say he said he could have tried to set it up for another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I doubt that'll happen. Um, it just doesn't have uh, it doesn't have the backbone to do it. I mean, it was an interesting idea, a different type of Arthur, where one an Arthur that grew up on the streets was streetwise, was a kind of a more thuggish type character, very ant. Very different than other Arthurs we've seen in the past. Normally, Arthur can be a very timid, shy boy who becomes a great. This one was a different take, which I was down for, but it just didn't play mm. very well. Like it didn't. It didn't. It just didn't. For me, it didn't work. Right. Um. And he's kind of a schmuck. <laughs> okay. And 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 they said that's what they were going for. But to be a king, to be the good guy, to play Arthur, you. Yeah, there's there needs to be more than than what they're putting there. Yeah, I'm wondering if they almost if that that sounds like it was a setup for him to grow over six movies. Yeah, that might have been the case, but it did not. I don't think it did well because there were only three Showtimes at Edward. <laughs> like literally only three, and the movie just just opened up last week. The, the, yeah, it opened on Friday. So only three Showtimes, which to me was like, oh, that's not a good sign. Uh, not a lot of faith in that one. Dang, that's hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, o- overall didn't care for it. Um, there were some gr- there were some cool scenes, some cool okay. CGI, um, and there were some cool kind of tug at your heart moments. But it just was not enough to sustain me liking two. Um, what was it two and a half hours mm-hmm. worth of a movie? I mean, by the end, I was like, okay, so that was that was a movie. I saw it. What's for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, great movies like Guardians of the Galaxy. After that ended, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. I'm still like, I'm germinating. I'm like, oh man, I like that. And da, 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 da. Like, good movies stay with you. Movies like King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, they're one and done. Yeah. They could have cool highlight moments, but in the end, you're just like, okay, that was a thing. Yeah. And I yeah. saw it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a cotton candy movie. Very much, but not even as enjoyable. Like, the, the Mythica movies, I, the, from mm-hmm. what I saw, that was more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Because at least I, I feel invested, like I enjoy the characters from that. Um, this, not so much. It, I feel like it was the wrong blending of styles. I think Guy Ritchie was not the right choice. I don't know if he championed this cause or if it was offered to him, but... I think his style was the wrong choice for the movie, and it just needed to go in a, a different direction. Like no Merlin, right? Mer- he's mentioned, but you never see the guy. That's stupid. And some other. Oh my word! So, bit of the plot. So, the in this universe, the Arthur universe, you've got the kings and you have the mages, and for years they were cool. They were chill with each other. And then someone sparked a rebellion. Kings and mages not so cool anymore. Merlin flees with all the mages. But there's a prophecy that the one true king... I know you're falling asleep. Stay with me. <laughs> one true king will come back. 
And Merlin is waiting for that. So instead of Merlin coming and saying, you know, sword in the stones in it, uh-huh. he sends a, 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 a female. I can't, I can't even remember the character's name. He I thought she it. was supposed to be Guinevere. No, 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 no. She's just like uh, the poor man's Merlin. And she kind of, quote unquote, trains Arthur. But she's, I don't, I don't even know what nationality she was. But... She and thinking about it now, she was the worst actor in the whole movie because mm. I could barely understand her dialogue. She might have been, might have been Russian. I'm okay. not sure, but her the way she delivered her dialogue was so monotone. Oh man, and bland. I mean, and everyone else is doing a decent job of acting. Like I'm, I'm buying their performance, but anytime she spoke, I got so angry because I was like, no. <laughs> You're making a bad movie worse. <laughs> Stop talking. Um, but yeah, so the, her role was to, to help Arthur. And that she was just, yeah, not not a great addition. So, yeah, all in all. Not good. Not good. Not, I wouldn't even say go see it. I'd say oh, go well. watch something. Go go check out Mythica. They sell it at Walmart for 10 bucks <laughs> For the price of admission, that's, that's a much better investment. So. Okay, well... Uh, Thank you for suffering through King Arthur. <laughs> hey! Um, you'll be back next week to take on Pirates. You're doing Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, I have high hopes, I hope. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Um, to transition, I'm going to be talking about my expectations for Alien Covenant. Um, they're low. Uh, <laughs> but to transition, we're going to give you guys a top five. We haven't done a top five in a while. I've been kind of chomping at the bit. So this week, we're doing our top five favorite sci-fi thrillers. Uh some parameters on that because it's a big topic we did say anything that has uh an extraterrestrial in it although one of mine doesn't have an extraterrestrial in it another one of mine can be argued but i (laughs) it's your list yeah it's my list um (laughs) and then like sci-fi some people have very broad definitions of sci-fi we had a kind of pretty narrow one um you know some people consider children of men one uh some people consider. What was the other one? Uh, Dark Knight was the one that Batman I saw. The was, Dark Knight. Yeah, which uh, you know is just an action movie. So yeah. it's it's a pretty we did a pretty narrow definition of of this. Um, so Ryan, what is your number five favorite sci-fi thriller? My number five is a classic, and I, I'm pretty sure it's higher up on your list. But I put Alien, the first, mm. the first Alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only seen it a few times, but it's terrified me every time I've seen it. And it's super interesting. Like, it's a well-done, um, you know, horror film, I guess. Mm-hmm. You, I, is it te- it's a horror movie. It's a horror yeah, movie, for sure. but it's, you know, thriller, you know, sort of yeah, running it counts. this thing. It counts because um, it's on my list, too. Oh, okay. So that would be my number five. Great, great movie. Great franchise starter. Uh, my number five should come as no surprise to anyone, uh, especially after Alyssa made a wax poetic about Schindler's List. It's Minority Report. Mm. Uh, man, that movie is great. Uh, That's a classic. It doesn't have an extraterrestrial in it, but, uh, well, they're precogs. Yeah. Uh, they're like, you know, superhumans at least. Um, it, that movie just works, man. Like, Tom Cruise is great in that movie. Colin Farrell's great in that movie. Yeah. Uh, is Jude Law in that one too? I thought he was. I know he's it's an been AI. Forever yeah. Since I've seen it. That movie has like a really good pace. Like, it moves really fast and, uh, 
it's just really fun to watch. It's super entertaining. There's a lot, I think there's a lot of meaty stuff in there about, you know, would you try to stop a crime before it happened? You know, that kind of almost like looper wow. um, thing. Uh, yeah, I just, I love that movie, man. Uh, Spielberg knows how to make a world like nobody else. Um, the scene where they're chasing eyeballs down is super gross, but it's great. <laughs> uh, that's a great scene. Oh my gosh, I love that scene. Um, um, yeah, it's Minority Report. Uh, number four. What's your number four? My number four uh, is the Get to the Chapa Predator. Predator. Uh, that counts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's always just been a classic uh, favorite of mine. You know, I always like the idea. I think, was it set during Vietnam? I think so. I think so, because these commandos are sent into the forest to get a POW, I mm-hmm. think. I I haven't seen the movie in forever, which is why it's not on my list. Yeah. I was like a child the last time I saw it. Yeah. Um, I've recently, I watched it like last year, so I've seen it several times, mm-hmm. but anyways, uh, and then the, the, one of the most iconic baddies comes out, uh, the predator and hunts them all down and it's, you know, down between Arnold and him. It's just, just a great movie. Yeah. More of an action movie, I guess you'd say than a thriller, but it yeah. does have some. I would count it. Scout, like, cause yeah. I mean, it fought the alien. <laughs> That's true. Um. <laughs> it took it on. Yeah, and uh, also, that Predators movie that Robert Rodriguez did is really good, too. Mm-hmm. I, man, I like that you, movie. You may or may not see that later on in my list. Oh, really? Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, my number four is uh, going to piss some people off for not being higher on my list, but it's The Thing. Uh, John Carpenter's Ooh, The Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell, um, Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, am I right about that? Harry Dean Stanton's an alien. He might not be in The Thing. Um, yeah, uh, gosh, that movie just is great. Yeah. Uh, really paranoid. It, it's, oh man, even if you're not, it's technically a horror movie. Even if you're not into horror, I think it's worth watching. Um, cause there's some like cool stuff in it, man. Like there's some really good tension to it. Uh, the effects hold up like crazy. Uh, it's outrageous how good the effects are. It's a movie I just saw for the first time in the last year. And mm-hmm. I've watched it like three times in the last year. Dang. Um, Kurt Russell's great in it. Kurt Russell's hat is great in it. Um, he's got this stupid, His stupid, hat? yeah, he's got this stupid snow sombrero in it. Um, it's the only thing I can think to call it. Uh, okay. Google it if you've never seen it. Uh, okay. Kurt Russell's, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, the first time I saw the movie, I, co- I tweeted that I would like to cosplay as Kurt Russell's hat from the thing. Um, <laughs> Carpenter, who's not a director I generally like. Knocks it out of the park. Uh, mm. Just the way he builds the tension in these sequences. There's a scene where they figure out that the the thing will react to being startled or being agitated. So they take blood samples from all the people mm. and introduce fire to it to see how it reacts. To see how people's blood reacts. And that scene, as they're like going through... Taking the blood samples from everyone, lighting the match, holding the match to the blood samples, and just kind of like watching the paranoia over everyone's face of like, are you, are, is it going to be you? Is it going to be you? It's, it's, it's so well done. It's one of the best scenes of tension I've ever seen. Um, to the point where I think Quentin Tarantino ripped it off for basically every scene he's made have tension in it for his entire (laughs) career. Um, like watching that scene, it plays almost exactly like uh, several scenes in The Hateful Eight, because The Hateful Eight is essentially a remake of the thing. But uh, 
uh, without the sci-fi elements. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it's a uh, the hateful eight is basically a remake of the thing with instead of a creature, uh, it's the act of hatred is mm. the creature. Um, but then also uh, the bar scene in Inglorious Bastards mm, yeah, that yeah. plays almost identically to the scene where they're doing the blood tests in the thing. Um, so it's a, it's like super influential. Uh, it's, it's super watchable, man. It's just like top to bottom. That movie's great. Nice. Uh, number three. Uh, my number three. So number five was alien. Number four was predator. So number three is alien versus predator requiem. Really? The second one. It's a guilty pleasure uh, <coughs> of mine. It's a stupid movie, but actually I like the action back. And on that one, you actually get to see alien fight predator in a much more satisfying way. Than in the first Alien vs. Predator. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I haven't seen either one of them. Yeah. The first one is kind of crap. It's it's interesting, but it's it's not that great. But the second one is actually a lot of fun. Uh, and I think it, the first one was PG-13. The second one was an R rating, and mm-hmm. it earned it very gory. Yeah. Um, but I feel like those characters deserve that. Yeah. I think, and that's what made the fight better, because you can actually, what would happen yeah, when you can an see, alien you can fought see a everything. Predator. Yeah. yeah. So that one, that's uh, one of my favorites. Uh, my number three uh, also does not specifically have an extraterrestrial in it, but it's the Terminator. Nice. Uh, the first Terminator. I mm-hmm. actually prefer it to Terminator 2 as much as I love Terminator 2, and I will say it's maybe the second most perfect action movie ever made behind Die Hard. Mm-hmm. That first one really works for me because of the thriller elements. Yeah. Uh, it's more of a horror thing. Uh, James Cameron is a very effective horror director, yeah. it turns out. Um Arnold's great in it. He's just super menacing and imposing. He doesn't talk. Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's all the physicality. Yeah. He does that really well. Yeah, he does. And, like, he's just a massive hulking dude. And yeah. then, you know, he would be intimidating if he weren't a robot. <laughs> and yeah. But because he is one, it adds, like, another layer of scary to that already imposing character. Yeah. Um, and it just, like, the tone of that movie is perfect. Like, top to bottom. And, yeah. like... It's a really efficiently made movie. Like, every scene has something to do with the plot or with the characters or, you know. And then the reveal is really good about, um, what's his name being John Connor's dad? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's uh, his name? Kyle Reese. Yeah, Kyle Reese. Uh, Kyle Reese being, uh, the dad is of John Connor. Like, that's a really cool, like, build-up twist thing yeah. um, that I think works. It's like it's a really good movie, and yeah. also OJ was originally going to play the Terminator, which I think is hilarious. Uh, irony. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, the reason he didn't get the part is because James Cameron was like, "He's OJ Simpson. No one would buy that he's a murderer." Yep. Alrighty then. Yep. Number two. My number two. Um, uh, my number two is Predators, the newest Predator. That I think it came out <coughs> a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um. A uh, really great movie. It's got Adrian Brody in it, I believe, and a few other. Danny actors. Trejo's in Danny it. Danny Trejo's in it, uh, and uh, it's a great one. It's I think it's a, a great kind of love letter to the original franchise because they brought it back to the jungle. Mm-hmm. Well, they're um, on the Predator planet, right? Yeah, they're well. Yeah, it's a Predator hunter planet. Mm-hmm. So predators go there to hone their skills. Yeah, and I like the premise. You know, they bring all these like basically lethal, deadly people and pit them against their initiate predators and i like that kind of that that setup yeah so i think it's a it's a fun movie 
Um, and it gets me really stoked for, I think, Shane Black. Yeah. He's doing... Is, mm-hmm. he, is it a reboot? Is it a... It's just a Predator movie, as far as we know right now. Yeah, I know it's set after the first one. So it's okay. just... I think it's disregarding the Danny Glover one. Two. I think, yeah, I think it's just saying the first one is canon, and then this one will also be canon. Okay. Or that's that's what I'm, my understanding. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm really excited about that movie. Um, be good. Yeah, it's got a cool cast. Shane Black's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, that Predators movie rules. Ah, oh, gosh, I love it's that movie. Really I've, I've only seen it once, but I really liked it. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne's kind of creepy in it and weird, but that works. Oh, he is in it. Yeah. Oh, man. Adrian Brody's really good in that movie. I but, liked him a lot in that. Yeah. He, he, he did the typical, you know, because apparently all good guys just have that deep voice. Yeah. Like yep. Batman, basically. Yep. But yeah, he played it well. Yeah. I liked it. Man, that's it. Check that out if you haven't seen it. It's worth watching, man. Uh, my number two uh, should really come as no surprise to anyone who's listened to the podcast. It's Cloverfield. Mm. Oh, man, I love that movie Another so much. Duh, I love that movie so much. Uh, saw it three times in theaters. Um, some of the best sound design I've ever heard in a movie. Uh, it's only an hour and 18 minutes, which I love. It's found footage, which is something that I am... Like, that gimmick works on me more often than it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought into the hype train leading up to it. Uh, you know, the, the what is Cloverfield, I remember. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when people thought it was going to be a Voltron movie. <laughs> oh, um, <clears throat> when someone said, what is it? It's alive. People thought they said it's a lion. Uh, man, I thought that was so great. Uh, I got really into the ARG for it, and... The ARG, which is an alternate reality game, which is kind of like internet, like Easter eggs, basically, that kind of flesh out the mythology of the movie. The movie has nothing to do with it outside of a couple things here and there, but nothing that really affects the main plot of it. But it didn't matter. I loved it. Um, I think it's really good. I think the, uh, the scene on the subway is great where all they first get attacked by the parasites like mm. in the night vision is so good and like creepy and weird yeah. um it introduced the world to tj miller and lizzie kaplan who are both very successful on television now and um yeah i gosh i like that movie a lot it's a classic yeah i love that movie um but there's one more that's better than that uh so ryan what is your number one my number one is uh from the man vin diesel when he was very young and that would be pitch black really i like that movie a lot i've never seen it you've never seen it it's it's pretty good it it's got the right amount of a right amount of tension to it um I liked his kind of character setup. The franchise, the Pitch Black franchise as, as it has been, has been hit and miss for me. Uh, the second one, I guess, no, I guess not even hit and miss. It's just been kind of miss after the fact. Mm. Um, but the first one is really good. Like, it's a, a good kind of scary thriller. You know, you know these people are stranded on this planet. Um, it's like day constantly. Uh, and then they find shelter. And then... It goes pitch black, and then they find out that these evil alien creatures are in hibernation, and they only come out every ten years, because mm. uh, that's when the sun goes away. When the sun mm. goes away, they come out, and they feast on whatever's there. And so it's like them trying to escape the planet, but Vin Diesel's a convict who's like this crazy assassin, and he comes along. And so it's an interesting... like. The survivors versus the aliens versus Vin Diesel's character because, you know, he's just as dangerous as these evil creatures. So 
It's really, it's a interesting movie and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, man, that sounds wildly different from the other two. Yeah. Which kind of seemed like just kind of space, space D&D. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, the second one was very, yeah, that second one was space D&D and just wasn't well done, uh, in my opinion at all. The third one kind of went back to formula. Okay. Where they left him on a planet, but it's just so freaking long. Really? Yeah. It's a very long movie, and it needed to get to the point. And I normally... That's not a pet peeve of mine. That's yeah. long movies. But the the third one was pretty long and just took a while to get anywhere. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. Fish Black, my number one. Nice. Uh, my number one is... It's the most basic number one you could come up with. Uh, it's been talked about already. It's Alien. Um the movie just works, man. Like it just, mm-hmm. like it just, top to bottom is great. It's a borderline perfect horror movie. It's a borderline perfect uh, sci-fi movie. That mm-hmm. creature is scary as hell. Yeah. Uh, the tension, like I said, is really good. Them going to get the uh, the cat. That scene. Oh man, so <laughs> creepy. Uh, I like the characters in it a lot. I like that it's about this group of like space rednecks, basically. Like it's they're truckers. Yeah, they're just truckers. They're not like space marines, which is the second one, and yeah. probably why I prefer the first one to the second one. Mm. Um, you know, they're not these like combat ready badasses. They're just people doing their job mm-hmm. that get the shortest end of the short stick. Um, yeah, especially William Hurt. Yeah, um, uh, John Hurt. John Hurt, sorry. Yeah, yeah oh Hurt. gosh, John Hurt. I love that guy. John Hurt, uh, in that role, responsible for one of my favorite jokes in cinema history when he reprises his role in Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Not yeah. again! <laughs> so good! Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, first time I ever saw that scene, I didn't know it was a comedy. And I was a little kid that traumatized me. I, you know, the first time I saw that scene, I was also a child, but for some reason I knew about the alien chest burster thing, mm-hmm. and I watched a ton of WB cartoons, uh, yeah. so I was very familiar with the frog, mm-hmm. and uh, that's one of the earliest memories I have of laughing so hard I cried, um, but outside of the Spaceballs gag being one of my favorites ever, uh... Alien, like the, it's so atmospheric and great. And I mentioned that we talked about Alien on the uh, the YouTube show, so uh, some of this is probably going to be old hat for you guys um, who watch the YouTube show. That's um, just super atmospheric and great. And um, man, it's it's such a good movie, top to bottom. Those yeah. the the production design is really good. It's got that seventies. It's got that problem I have with a lot of 70s sci-fi, but it really works here, which I'd say is, like, shots of stuff doing stuff. Um, there's a lot of scenes of, like, ships docking for, like, a really long time, but yeah. it all adds to the tension. It's all in service of something. Yeah. Uh, to this day, I think it's still the best movie Ridley Scott's ever made. Mm. Um, yeah, I love Alien. And so, uh, on that note, mm. we're going to take a short break again, and then we'll be back to talk about my expectations for Alien Covenant. And we're back again uh, for a matter of space. 
<laughs> Get it? Ha! Hey! Um, so, Alien Covenant is coming out this weekend. Um, it's the one, two, three, four, fifth, six. Technically, the sixth canon Alien movie. Um, oh, yeah. Three and four happened. Yeah. Three and four, and then they don't really count Alien versus Predator. Yeah, those are outside of canon. Those are outside of canon. Um, it's a franchise that is uneven at best. <laughs> um, but it's also kind of fascinating because of the now six, only three of them have been directed by the same person. Um, and that person took nearly 40 years to return to the franchise. Mm-hmm. So it started with Alien uh, and then went to Aliens, which was James Cameron. And then Alien 3, which is weirdly David Fincher. And then Alien F- Resurrection, which I don't remember the director, but it was written by Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. Um, 3 is... I don't remember liking it, but I haven't seen it in such a long time. There are champions of it. There's supposedly a director's cut that's really good. That fixes a lot of the problems that it has. Uh, 4 is terrible. Uh, Ron Perlman's in that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but in those first four, the mainstay is Sigourney Weaver and her character arc. These last two, which have been Ridley Scott's return, um, have not focused on Sigourney Weaver's character at all. Um, the first one is Prometheus, which is a movie that is... And, and, and I'm going to spend some time on Prometheus, um, mainly because... Alien Covenant is very connected to Prometheus. Yeah. Um, so Prometheus is a prequel to Alien. Um, and essentially what we learn in the movie is that Ridley Scott's an insane man. But we, uh, in the mythos of, of the Alien franchise, what we learn is that the space jockey, which is that armored character you see at the beginning of Alien, mm-hmm. is essentially a creator being called an engineer um the engineers were upset at humanity if you watch the youtube video this week mike informed me that the reason they were upset at humanity is because jesus was an engineer and they were mad that humanity crucified jesus i didn't what i i don't remember getting that from the movie. Is that in, like, the subtext that I missed? Yeah, I... That was the craziest thing I'd ever heard when he told me. I promise I will research this between now and next week, and I will go over that, because that sounds nuts to me. And not, like... That sounds so crazy, I would have remembered it. Mm-hmm. Because I remember quite a bit about that movie, because I hate it. Yeah. Um, and... So, that's going on with the engineers. Uh, there's this group of people exploring the engineer planet, which is essentially the same planet from alien one um but also there's this evil uh android named david played by michael fassbender Mm -hmm. who discovers this black goop and he basically doses one of the humans with it just to kind of see what happens and so that plot is running through that and then they meet the engineers eventually the engineers try to kill them and successfully do because charlize theron has never heard of turning she's not an ambi turner um and uh also guy pierce is in some terrible old man makeup uh mm-hmm. which is hilarious because it's just like you could have just gotten an old guy to do that like just hire an old guy actor mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been that hard um yeah the oh, man that movie's terrible 
Uh, I hated basically every second of that movie. It's got, it's got characters who do insane, insane things. Like, we talked about this on the YouTube show. I know I'm saying that a lot, but we talked about both of these movies on the YouTube show. Um, Alien has characters who do really stupid things. Alien's also full of characters who don't really know any better. They're space rednecks, like I said. They're truckers. They're just Mm -hmm. trying to do their job and get paid. Prometheus is a ship full of scientists. They're people who are used to rationalizing things, thinking logically about their choices and getting from one point to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And at every turn, they end up at the craziest conclusion. Um, the man who maps the uh, ship gets lost in the caverns <laughs> that he maps, even though he has communications with the ship that has access to the map. Mm-hmm. Um, the biologist is like, what's this stab? Like he just becomes like space crocodile hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, just like poking it f- eggs in the face. <laughs> That's the most dangerous thing in the world. I want to touch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, Michael Fassbender, who I usually love, is really bad in the movie, I think. Um, he has no motivation for doing what he does. Like, like he doesn't even have this moment of, like, I'm a F with these humans. Mm-hmm. He literally is only the bad guy because droids are consistently the bad guy in these alien movies. Yeah. Like, that's literally the only reason. Outside of... of, of, of um, Giving us the origin of the space jockey, having the Wayland Utani Corporation in the movie. The movie has basically nothing to do with the Alien franchise as a whole. It doesn't really connect any straight lines to Alien 1. Um, the end of the movie, we see a creature give birth to another creature that is basically like the xenomorph. Basically the xenomorph. Uh, it's a little different looking, so it's kind of like the first evolution of the Xenomorph. Yeah. That feels incredibly tacked on. It feels like a post-credit sequence that just happens to happen right before. Yeah, uh, give him a Xenomorph. Well, yeah, it, it almost seems like they were like, uh, hey boss, uh, this is supposed to be in the Alien universe. And uh, Ridley Scott was like, oh yeah! Uh... What do you got in the creature shop? <laughs> Marvel's got this post-credit thing. That's all the rage. Why don't we just do one of that? But before. But before. Yeah. Make it work. Yeah. Uh, man, I hate that movie. Uh, it's got one good scene in it, and I sound sadistic for saying I like the scene, but the alien C-section scene is great because it's so disturbing. Yeah. It's uh, But it's really effective, really good body horror. Um, it's like It's really well done. That scene is great. It's the best scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, it's the only scene that feels like it. That feels like something's at stake. It's the only scene where someone feels like they're truly in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, the threats in the movie are episodic. We talked about on the YouTube show, like a threat happens, a threat gets dealt with, a new threat happens, a new threat gets dealt with, a new threat happens, a new threat get, you know, until the end of the movie. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, and then they announced that they're doing Alien Covenant, which is about a group of people who are on their way to this new planet to populate it. They're going to be the first coloners, col- uh, the first 
settlers in these colonies on this new planet. Mm -hmm. It's 12 couples, uh, so the idea is that they will go there and procreate, and then their offspring will procreate, and thus... um, Population. Yeah, and thus populate the planet. Uh, They're sent by the Weyland-Yutani Corporation, and they're Mm -hmm. sent with a new android, who I believe is named William, but also has the likeness of Michael Fassbender. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, uh, this I'm now getting from the reviews. There's a lot of reviews out there already. Um, so what happens is, uh, m- mild spoilers, I guess if you want to go in blind. What happens is they get a signal from another planet on the way to the planet they're supposed to populate. That signal is the planet from Prometheus slash alien. Mm. They check out the signal that they're getting, realize that the planet is very inhabitable, and go down, and then Ish hits the fan, and it becomes Alien movie. Mm. But at the same time, from what I understand, it also becomes Prometheus 2. So, my expectations for the movie are pretty low. <laughs> um, I really want to be excited about new Alien movies, because the first one has so much goodwill in my heart. You know, it's my go-to favorite horror movie. Uh Ridley Scott is a, he's a director that I have a complicated relationship with. We talked about, you can go to the YouTube show and hear all about that. Um, bottom line, I don't understand why he keeps getting the amount of money he keeps getting to make movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Very rarely do I enjoy one of his films actively. Mm-hmm. I, although, I did very much enjoy his last movie, The Marsh. Mm-hmm. I love that movie uh, a lot. So I'm willing to be optimistic about it. Uh, the alien stuff looks pretty cool. It's the first time the alien's been fully CGI'd. Mm-hmm. It looks good based on the trailers I've seen. Um, the scene of it on the spaceship looks like the Legit. alien. Like yeah. it looks sweet. Um, honestly, what I'm the most concerned about is the Prometheus elements because I hated that mythology. So like in tying that one. up and mm-hmm. kind of whatever. Because didn't the and the movie ended with the lead lady and the head of David Mm -hmm. going out to look for the engineers. That's Mm -hmm. where they left off. Yep. So I wonder if they'll pick that up at all or what happened. So here's the, I'm glad you brought that up, man. They've released two prologue videos for the movie alien covenant that are about three minutes long each. One of them deals with that, mm-hmm. and the other one, I think, deals with the characters getting onto the ship Covenant um, okay. to go to the new planet. But I saw tweets from film critics that I follow saying that representatives from Fox came out to the theater before their press screening and had everyone pull out their headphones and their phones and watch the two prologue videos before they did the press screening of the movie so the movie would make sense. That's outrageous. That's bold, what that is. Put it in the movie if it's that essential to the movie! (sighs) If, like, ugh, man, it's so frustrating to me that that would be a thing. Um, to the point where I'm protest not watching these prologues before going into this movie. And if that movie, I'll watch them after. But if I have to watch these things after for the movie to make sense, it's a bad movie. I don't care how well made it is. You made a bad movie because you over edited it and then threw the necessary parts online somewhere. That's stupid. Um, 
man, I didn't realize how angry I was about that until I meant talk to it about talk to someone about it. Uh, man, that's very infuriating now that I think about it. It is. It's 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 not giving a whole product. Yeah, exactly. It's DLC. Yeah. Yeah, it's a movie with DLC. Yeah, so I'm not excited about seeing Alien Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some stunt casting in there that I'm excited about. Danny mm-hmm. McBride's in it, mm-hmm. which it, it just makes me laugh that he's in an alien Anim- movie. Yeah. James Franco's in it. Uh, what? Yeah, that makes me laugh. I hope he dies in the first six seconds. <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> um, Michael Fassbender, I, I'm interested in. I know, like I said, I didn't like his performance in the last one. That doesn't mean I won't like him in this one. Uh, you know, William's a different android by and large. Uh, so I'm told David's in it. Uh, and David and William share scenes. Uh, so that's interesting. I'm always interested when a, uh, an actor has to share scenes with themselves. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, there's a lot. Like I said, the connection to the Prometheus mythos, I really could do without... I don't give a crap about the engineers. Mm -hmm. They were stupid and weird and dumb (laughs) and bad. I don't need to know more about them. I don't even know what I could learn about them. I think that was the mistake of Promethean is you don't care about the engineers. You just want the xenomorphs. Yeah, exactly. That's what made these... That's the iconic monster. Exactly. You care less about anyone else. Exactly. Exactly. I have heard the movie's really gory, uh, which Prometheus was too... Um, I'm hoping there are at least sequences that get to the alien C-section level uh, to at least scratch a horror itch. I think it would be cool to see. Ridley Scott said he wants to do six more of these things. Because he um, needs to eat. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, he's going to die before he gets to make all six of them. He's 79 years old. Oh, um, It's not rude. I'm just a realist. Uh, <laughs> like, he... He wants to make six more of these things. I would like to see one of them at least be a down-the-middle horror movie again. Mm. That's honestly my problem with the rest of the Alien movies, is they aren't horror movies. Mm. Um, they have flourishes here and there, but they're not straight-up horror movies the way Alien is. And that's what... But to me, that's the context in which the Xenomorph works best. Yeah. When there's virtually nothing known about it, and we can't defeat it. Um, that's why I like it, like Aliens, a little bit less. It's a good movie. Uh, it's too long, in my opinion. Mm. Um, way too long. Uh, but it's also less interesting to me because it's just, like, space badasses fighting the Xenomorphs. And it's like, okay, that's cool, I guess. But mm. And, you know, there's there's a war, and there are casualties suffered, but for the most part, those Marines have a handle on the creatures. I don't know how well you remember that movie. They kind of got their butts handed to him. Yeah, well, I mean, Paxton has that line. <laughs> We're um, screwed, man. Game like, over. They get, they get the upper hand on it eventually. Yeah. Uh, and by the time they do, it feels like they know what's up. In Alien, it almost feels like by happenstance, she gets the upper hand on this thing. And like, even then, it's still on the escape pod, yeah. center, which is terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, ah. Uh, I want it to be good. Mm-hmm. I want to like it. I think I'm going to like all the Alien stuff. Yeah. I think I'm going to hate all the Prometheus stuff. Because I like Alien, and I hate Prometheus. Yeah. So, uh, it seems like it's just going to be like very down the middle for me. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, I will let you know about those prequel uh, things, if it makes the movie make any more sense. But 
I will yell about that if that's the case, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, that's, yeah, that would be the worst thing that's ever happened to a movie, in my opinion. Mm. Like, once that's, to me, that's a slippery, slippery slope of forcing your audience into watching, uh, prequel things, prequel or... things that are not, uh, part of the medium you're presenting the thing in. Mm. Um, I mean, I was already pissed off at the beginning of Age of Ultron for that. Um, because there's an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that sets up why they're going to the castle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that can get really dangerous. Um, because I think we're oversaturated enough as it is. Like, there's already too much crap to, 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 to watch. Yeah. Uh, and to force people to have to watch stuff over the stuff they actually want to watch. So your artsy, like, pseudo religious, alien movie can make sense uh, you done goofed like you mm-hmm. you made bad choices yeah. and you made a bad movie along the way uh if like i said if it's that essential to what happens in the movie why is it not in the movie mm-hmm. that's ridiculous um so yeah we'll be back next week to talk about my feelings about uh <laughs> alien covenant uh, i did not realize how many of them i had going into it you're just um, gonna come back and talk about your feelings yeah right uh, there. yeah um i will also be doing a written review for this movie at keithlovesmovies.com um that one will be relatively spoiler free uh my talk here will be pretty spoiler heavy um so that it's different and if you saw the movie you would know what happens um yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. Uh, you can find my writing at KeithLovesMovies.com and WordOfTheNerd.com. Uh, over there, I just wrote a piece about the new War for the Planet of the Apes trailer, because it's dope. <laughs> um, let's see, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, just search Real Perspective. That's R-E-E-L perspective uh we just talked about the career of ridley scott uh, I, I know i said we said this on the youtube video a lot but we talked about more than alien and prometheus we also talked about gladiator matchstick men a uh, little bit about blade runner and something else i don't remember um what was the other one i don't know go watch it find out let me know uh, um <laughs> Also, I guested on uh, Hey, What You're Watching. It's a podcast from TalkFilmSociety.com. Uh, Talk Film Society is a website with some really cool writers and some really good people. Um, that's Matt and Marcelo, who co-host it over there. It's a long one. It's probably over two hours. It's also probably a little less family-friendly than this show is. So if you listen with your family, uh, maybe don't on that one. Um you know, it's not, it's not a hard R, but there's the, the, the language is saltier than we use here. Um, but yeah, uh, until next time, go watch. Well, it's hard to recommend Shitler's List, but. <laughs> <laughs>